today we see Paul declaring the gospel to a king in partial fulfillment of a prophecy. We see him doing exactly what he was meant to do on earth and do it with boldness and wisdom. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor him and to talk to him about the things going on in our life and in our world. Join me today as we dive into episode 128 and we pray together through Acts chapter 26. But before we do that, we're going to open with a bit of worship. And today we are in Acts chapter 26, verses 6 and 7, and they say this. And now I stand on trial. This is Paul speaking. Now I stand on trial because of the hope in what God promised to our ancestors, the promise our 12 tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Let's just start, dive right in and go to God in prayer. Father, Paul was being accused by the Jews because of the hope he found in Christ. And I just want to honor you this morning that that's where our hope is found. Our hope is not found in the things that we do, in the good deeds that we perform, in being faithfully going to church or reading our Bible or performing all the right Christian actions. Our hope is found only in Jesus. It was true in Paul's day, and it is true today, and it will be true tomorrow. And we just want to worship you this morning for being our hope for being the thing that we can hope in that will never change, never fail us. You are just the perfect hope. And I honor you for that today, worship you for that today as well. Thank you for making this possible, for making the sacrifice that means that we can all come before you in prayer and you've made it so that I can stand before the Father with these requests and that I know he listens and I know that you respond. Thank you for that, for your sacrifice, for your obedience, for your humble, humble obedience to the will of the Father. I pray that I would exhibit that same thing as well. As we go forward in this prayer time, I ask for you to just take control of this time. It's yours. We offer it to you. I pray that you would, Spirit, open these scriptures, these verses to us in a way that is exactly how you want to speak to each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to dive into Acts chapter 26 to set the stage for you as a reminder because the weekend is long. Paul is in Caesarea and has been for a few years. He is a prisoner and there has been a change in the administration. Festus has come to power and he has mentioned Paul's case to King Agrippa, who is not responsible for Paul's jurisdiction in any way, but he has a reputation as a devout Jew. He's the figurehead of the Jewish religion and he was making a courtesy call to Festus after Festus has been installed as governor. He would have good counsel to offer to Festus, who is a Roman unfamiliar with Jewish customs. So we have Paul before Agrippa. Reminder of who Agrippa is. King Agrippa's great-grandfather had tried to kill Jesus as a baby. His grandfather is the one who had John the Baptist beheaded. His father had martyred the first apostle, James. Agrippa's family history made him unlikely to receive Paul warmly. 
But Paul is in this position and he is fulfilling what the Lord had promised him at his conversion. Acts chapter 9, 15 said, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So in these verses, we have Paul's fullest account of his Damascus Road encounter with Christ. So we see kind of extra details thrown in, and we have this weird saying in the middle of it that says, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. It's a proverbial statement. It's a, it's a proverb that the Romans would have probably understood. Goads were sharp sticks that, that were used to poke and prod oxen. And if the ox resisted and kicked back, they would just use those sticks harder, more severely to keep them in line. It means that ultimately you can't resist God's will. It's very hard to, to go against the power of God. So that just kind of explains one little odd statement that you'll hear in the middle of this chapter. Paul presents his arguments, Festus says, you're crazy, and given Paul's conduct at this hearing, there are some reasons why someone like Festus might think that Paul was crazy. He was a prisoner in chains, and yet he said he was happy in Acts 26.2. He insisted that God could raise the dead, Acts 26.8 and 23. He experienced a heavenly vision and changed his life because of it, Acts 26, 14 through 19. He was more concerned about proclaiming Jesus than in his personal freedom. That's just weird to someone on the outside of that, Acts 26, 22. And he believed in a message of hope and redemption for all humanity, not only Jews or only Gentiles. This was Acts 26, 23, far different from the cultural perspective of the day. The point is that the gospel, when properly proclaimed and lived, will make some people think that we are crazy. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 1.18, he said, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. He does make a compelling case, but he hits a little too close to home and Agrippa almost chooses belief, but he doesn't. So that's kind of an overview of the text and some things to watch out for. So let's get right to it because it's kind of long. So here we go. The first part of the chapter says this, Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I am to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially since you are very knowledgeable about all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. All the Jews know my way of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own people and in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time, if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand on trial because of the hope in what God promised to our ancestors, the promise our twelve tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Why do any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? In fact, I myself was convinced that it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I actually did this in Jerusalem, and I locked up many of the saints in prison since I had received authority for that from the chief priests. When they were put to death, I was in agreement against them. In all the synagogues, I often punished them and tried to make them blaspheme. Since I was terribly enraged at them, I pursued them even to foreign cities." Let's stop there. That's his first opening statement before Agrippa. Let's pray. Father, Paul was in a position where he kind of couldn't win. He was 
still being pursued by the Jews for a death sentence. He had appealed to Caesar, and he's now being put in front of a king who really has no jurisdiction, but has the influence, the ability to influence the people who do have jurisdiction. And he's happy to present this to Agrippa. Agrippa was, the odds are, Agrippa wasn't going to believe. But Paul is more than happy to present the gospel to him, to people of power and authority in all kinds of, the, of, of ways in the Jewish culture. This was a fulfillment of Paul's life mission. I am to present the gospel to kings. There were other parts, like, like I said earlier, to the Gentiles and to Jews, but also to kings. And this is one of those moments where he is standing in his purpose and feels fortunate that he is allowed to do this, that, his, that he is able to live this mission. And I want to feel that same way. I want all of us listening to this, praying with me this morning to feel that same way, that we are standing in a place of mission, that we are doing exactly what you have us here on earth to do. And that comes from Paul living the gospel and presenting the gospel and being obedient to your spirit. And I pray that we would do each of those things, that we would live the gospel, share the gospel, and be fully obedient to your spirit's direction. Let me say that again. Live the gospel, share the gospel, and live in obedience to the Spirit's direction. I pray that into all of our lives. Now, that is easier to say than it is to do, but I pray that you would work in us to bring us to the kind of level of devotion, of relationship that we need in order for that to be fulfilled, that we would live the gospel, share the gospel, and live in obedience to the direction of your Spirit. He stood there on trial because of the hope in what you have promised. I pray that when we are in a position to be accused of something, that it is because of our hope in the gospel. And he told them, why do you consider it incredible that God would raise the dead? Their perspective of God was small, and ours is so often that as well. I pray, Spirit, that you would open our perspective and our understanding of what God could do in our lives and in the world through us. We limit you in so many ways, and your power is limitless. Your love for us is limitless. I pray that we would step into that power and see the potential of what your love can do in this world through us. That when we look at a situation, we don't see what the world sees, but we see what your power could do in that situation. All right, let's keep going. Scripture says next, I was traveling to Damascus. Paul begins to present his testimony. I was traveling to Damascus under the circumstances with authority and a commission from the chief priests. King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, I saw light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those traveling with me. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. 
I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to this heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first and to those in Jerusalem and in all the region of Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works worthy of repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and were trying to kill me. To this very day, I have had help from God, and I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing other than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah would suffer and that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. Let's pause there and go back to the beginning of that section and pray. Father, Paul saw a light at the brightest time of day that was far brighter than the sun. He saw your glory. I pray that we would recognize when the sun looks really bright in the sky that you are far brighter when we are faced with circumstances that seem like they make sense on earth, we recognize that your power is greater. Pray that we would also experience your presence in our lives. I'm hungry for more of your presence, and I pray that that would be true for those listening with me, that we would hunger and thirst not only for your righteousness, but also for your presence. You told Paul, to get up and stand on your feet. You had appeared to him to appoint him for a purpose, and you have the same message for us. He wasn't supposed to stay lying on the ground in worship. We should respond to you in worship, but we then should get up and do what you have pointed us to do. Help us do that. Help us stand to our feet and do the things that you have appointed us to do, to not be disobedient to your message in our lives. Help us learn to testify to both small and great, no matter who we're speaking to, of what you have done for us. All that we're required of is to share what you have done for us, how we see you moving in our lives. Give us the words to do that, the opportunity and the obedience to follow through. All right, scripture goes on to say, as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus exclaimed in a loud voice, you are out of your mind, Paul. Too much study is driving you mad. But Paul replied, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I'm speaking words of truth and good judgment. For the king knows about these matters, and I can speak boldly to him. For I am convinced that none of these things has escaped his notice, since this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. Agrippa said to Paul, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? I wish before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you, but all who listen to me today might become as I am except for these chains. The king, the governor, Bernice, and those sitting with them got up, and when they had left, they talked with each other and said, this man is not doing anything to deserve death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been released had he not appealed to Caesar. That winds up the chapter, brings it to a close. So let's go and pray through that last final bit. Father, when Paul finished his 
testimony, sharing what you had done for him, what you have declared for him, and that he has been obedient to you. He didn't ask Agrippa if he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He asked Agrippa if he believed in the prophets. Because if he did, and he said publicly yes, and Paul had convincingly shown him that Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophets, then he would be forced to come to grips with saying publicly that he believed that Christ was the Messiah, that believed what Paul said was true. He didn't do that. But Paul set it up in a way that led to that logical conclusion. And I sometimes think that we are, that we skip steps. And Paul wasn't doing that. He was sharing exactly what his audience needed to do to come to a conclusion. And I pray that we would speak the truth with wisdom, that we don't just pepper spray our truth over everyone we meet, but that we would speak it in wisdom at the place where people can connect with it. Give us the wisdom to do that. Give us the words to do that. Give us the understanding of even how to approach that in every relationship. Give us the sensitivity to your voice to know what to say and when to say it and how to say it. He wished before you that all of the people in his audience at that point, but really in his whole life, whether they easy or hard or, or great in influence or small, would come to know you. I pray that we would approach our lives the same way, whether we're speaking to those great or small whether it's hard for them or easy for them, I pr- we, we pray that those we come in contact would come to know you through us. And then we see Agrippa's response. He stood up and left. It got a little too hot to sit in front of that. And he left. Are you going to persuade me? So easily says this translation. Nobody's sure if that, that word that's used there is so easily or so little or so simply or in such short amount of time. But regardless, Agrippa's statement makes it clear that he understood the argument, that he knew what Paul was saying and he was choosing not to believe. We don't control the response when we live and share your love. That's not our responsibility wasn't Paul's responsibility to change Agrippa's mind. It was Paul's responsibility to present your work, to live your love. That's what our responsibility is. Help us to leave responsibility for the decisions up to the Holy Spirit. So as we come out of this chapter today, I just pray that we would have the courage and the wisdom, the understanding and the obedience and the sensitivity to your spirit to share and live your love in our own situations. In Jesus' name, amen. That is it for today. Y'all, thank you so much for joining me this morning in prayer. If you're watching this broadcast on Grace in the Gravel Road Facebook page and you find it helpful, we'll be back here again on Wednesday with the next chapter. We have two chapters left in this book. And the next two chapters are all about Paul's (laughs) dramatic journey to Rome. If you are a podcast listener, subscribing to the show and sharing it with a friend will help more people be able to join their voices with us in prayer. The show is brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road, helping Christian women live a God 
first life. And my hope is that as we pray together, as we do this a couple of times a week, that we all grow in our prayer lives. So we deepen our relationship with God and that he will answer these prayers in mighty, mighty ways. But most of all, my biggest prayer is that you will fall deeper in love with the God who gave us these words. Amen. Amen.